Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well today. Now mi gente, we have so much to talk about for this episode, so I'm going to go ahead and get right into it, sharing today's fact of the day. Now, according to Pew Research Center survey, Latinos in the past with other presidential campaigns were always less motivated to vote in comparison to other ethnic groups in the U.S. However, this year, 2020, about half of the Latino registered voters, which is exactly 54%, are extremely motivated to vote for the presidential campaign, which is so amazing, mi gente, because I remember just, I remember not only like growing up, which I'll, I'll definitely share on that, but just even in the last presidential election, when you would look at the numbers, they did not, they weren't at the same wavelength as they are now, which is showing that everything that's going on in regards to social media, our hint that advocating for rights, such as demand for equal pay, such as keeping families together and whatnot. Oh, I could feel myself start to get like really excited, but I'm going to calm myself down a little bit because I notice for myself, whenever I record an episode and my voice sounds too hyped, then uh, my, my audio doesn't sound the best. So I like to just try and keep myself as calm, even though inside I'm like internally like, ah. Anyways, we hint that now. Not only have we seen it with the numbers, data in the past that our Latino gente, Latinx individuals in, per se, weren't necessarily going out to vote, but I also remember, and specifically more for the Trump election, I just felt that whenever I would ask, like, even my older guardian, not guardians, but my older relatives, or even like older relatives of someone else, if voting came into conversation, they would say, I'm not going to vote because it's my right not to vote. And, well, that would always be heartbreaking. And even if I would sit down and just explain to them, sometimes it would feel as if it was going into one ear coming out the other. However, like I said, I really feel that all the advocacy that our gente, specifically our millennials, first generation gente, that and Gen Zs that we've been really doing in regards to making a difference for our gente, it's finally being heard and shown with these numbers. And it was something that we just really needed, especially after having so many, so many years, or I don't want to say years, but more like so many election times that our gente weren't necessarily voting. And I also know that, and, and this is more based on experience, what I'm about to share, when I would talk to older individuals in our Latinx community about why else they weren't feeling like they wanted to vote, some of them have also expressed to me that they were like, oh, I don't know how to read well, so I just don't want to mark the wrong thing. Or, oh, <laughs> I, I've heard this one before. And this one I did not really know what to say, but... I had once heard someone tell me that because they couldn't see well, which meant they couldn't read well, 
they couldn't vote. It was just any reason not to vote. It seemed like people would try and gravitate towards it. But with things just being put in such a different perspective and also with reality just hitting so many of us, because as we know, it was no secret that we also had people from our Latinx community put in their their vote for Trump during his um, first-time election. And a lot of them, again, based on certain conversations I would have, they'd say it's because, oh, he's a businessman, so he knows what he's doing. And, well, just didn't really want a woman to be running this country. Just many different reasons. So, overall, I'm just glad people people are voting. Now, it was very important that we do whatever we could to vote by November 3rd, either through mail or dropping it in the in many different locations. There was like this drop-in ballot box. I personally went to a grocery store to go drop off mine, but there were many at like different different offices for those um, counties. Like, you know, for example, I'm currently in the Stanislaus County, so there were also drop boxes by the office for the Stanislaus County. And just there were many different ones. Just had to Google it and you would find it. Now, if you weren't necessarily to go, if you weren't necessarily able to go that route with like mailing by, voting by mail or dropping off your ballot, you could still vote by today you just need to go in person and the polls are open. And once again, the polls are still open. You just need to do your part and research what times they're open at to one time to what time they do close and just see how and when you can get there. Now we hint that you could potentially go during your lunch if you work like a nine to five or whatnot, or you could also I know comp time is a thing. Now, what is comp time? It's basically if you've accumulated enough work hours, enough work days, essentially, then a day such as today, November 3rd, um, last day to just put in any type of vote in general in person, you could go ahead and just notify and let your supervisor or manager, who whatever title they may have, let them know that you want to use your comp time to come in a little later to then be able to go vote. And I mean, you don't always have to go in full detail about what it is you're going to be doing with your comp time. Just let them know, hey, I'm still going to come into work. I'm just going to be using my comp time for this. Which, fun fact, you can also use, like, comp time, like... But, yeah, so comp time is nice. Just make sure, like, you do your research once again on your part and see if your 40-hour position or full-time position, essentially, offers comp time as an option. And you could go ahead and use that in regards to putting in your vote today. And well, if you didn't know about it now, now you know, mi gente. All right, mi gente. Now, I know I always just like preach and talk about using your campus resources all the time. But believe me when I tell you, I do it for your own good. Because you pay so much money in tuition at your four-year university. You deserve to get the most you can out of it, not just necessarily your experiences or like for your amazing classes that you can sit through and gain all this knowledge, but also if there's free food on campus, take the free food. If there's 
free or more affordable types of workshops, networking events, use them because I promise you, mi gente, once you leave the four-year university or even when you're in grad school, if you're not really using those resources, those networking opportunities, then once you are out in the I like to call it the real, real world. You could still network. You could still get things done. It just feels a little a little more challenging to navigate through just because, well, the real world isn't necessarily a huge college campus, if you know what I'm saying, mi gente. Now, I'm going to share some little chisme, but I promise it's super related to going back to your resources and just the rest of today's episode. All right, Mianta, so I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the pod, but I definitely have mentioned it on a couple lives and speaking events I've I've asked to be a part of, which, ah, thank you so much, Mianta, by the way, because without all of you and just the support you continue to give me in this podcast, those events would not be occurring. Now, mi gente, one of the things that I had shared for one of my speaking engagements was the fact that I started my new grad program, like officially, officially start started the summer of 2020. Now, due to many, two reasons, actually. The first one, COVID. Like, COVID, COVID played a huge factor in my graduate school interview being pushed back, thus just like a lot of other things got pushed back in the sense that my program did not have room for me to be taking online classes, not just me, like another small handful of us students. So we actually had to go ahead and put ourselves on a leave of absence for this fall 2020. Thanks, COVID. (laughs) However, That doesn't necessarily mean I still have not been doing school stuff. So when you take a leave of absence during grad school, it could be for any reason. My reason, once again, was strictly because of COVID. But also, a lot of people tend to take leave of absences due to personal reasons, due to personal reasons in the sense that maybe they just have like this enormous burnout and they really need to take some time off, but they don't want to leave their program. Or maybe if a family member had passed away, or it could even just be for financial reasons. And usually a leave of absence is preferred to be done for one semester or one quarter. However, there is that strong possibility that as long as you do talk to your department ahead of time, petition for it, submit all the documents you need to submit to your program, they can and most likely will, depending on your situation, extend your leave of absence for the rest of the academic year. So it would be like two semesters or potentially like three quarters, whichever system you're doing for grad school. And at least in my experiences, I know leave of absences are, they can be more common in grad school. They can be. But I also do know for a fact that people can take leave of absences during undergrad. Now, mi gente, going back to not only was COVID a factor of me taking a leave of absence, but also to regardless, it worked out in my favor in the sense that I have to get 
these exams done. Now, I know for the last episode, I went into detail about CBEST and CSETS exams, and in order for me to continue on with the master's program at my Cal State, I need to have not only my teaching credential courses completed, and obviously good GPA, but I need to have those four exams passed. Now, my CBEST is good. However, my CSETs, those I'm really tackling down, and I actually have my exam date coming up for that early December. So, again, if it wasn't for this leave of absence, I probably would have had a more challenging time trying to get all these exams done while taking full-on classes. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm probably still going to have one CSET or two to complete while I'm taking courses, but at least I get the rest out of the way. Now, mi gente, if you, and again, I know I elaborated elaborated this topic more in regards to CBEST and CSETS exam on my last episode. However, if you are someone that you kind of knew you wanted to be a teacher and you got your BA in like liberal arts and whatnot, you most likely took the courses needed to cancel out your CSET exams where you only have to take the CBEST. Now for me, as I've expressed before, my undergrad, I did not ever think I would find myself in the field or the world of just education itself, like this, the area of study of education, I, I should say. But I love it so much, I don't want to let it go. So, well... I can still get everything done. I can still get the credential. I can still get the master's at the program I'm at. I just have to get the CSETs done. Which goes back to saying that you could potentially go to grad school for whichever area of study you want to go into, even if your BA didn't necessarily fit in the requirements for it. But if you can, try and take your prereqs before getting into the grad program because eventually you're going to have to do them anyway. So if you can get out of the way, I hope you definitely can. Now, moving past that little cheese side of mi vida, my personal telenovela and education, I'm just kidding, or maybe I'm not. Anyways, now going back to resources. So mi gente, I will tell you this. Studying for any type of exam, whether it's the GRE, the MCAT, CBES, CSETS, SAT, etc., whichever examinations you need to complete for a high, to get into grad school or to finish off your grad school or even to go to a four-year, it can feel overwhelming if you don't necessarily have a type of guide or a type of structure that will help you out. Now, I'm going to be very honest. When it comes to studying for these types of exams, I do get nervous and I kind of find my mind going a little all over the place. So that's kind of how I, I usually spend like the, my, the beginning part of my prepping process to figuring out how I'm going to study for this, how much I should do this, da 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 Because when it feels a lot easier when you're someone who has like a class schedule, you're given to it by the university, so you're able to just figure out and navigate what you need to navigate through with an already set schedule that's pretty much given to you by the university after you pick your courses and just, you know, from there. However, when you completely have the ability to set your studying schedule, whatever hours work for you, 
when however many times of the day you can it has a lot of pros to it trust me i i found the pros eventually <laughs> after i had my mini breakdowns however there are some cons as well in regards to if you've never really been someone that has always stayed super organized and in the past i've never been such a super organized person until i started grad school that's when like the whole ball game just switched and i was like okay undergrad i'm just going to say my guardian guardian first generation mentors angels whatever you may want to call them they definitely did help me with my with helping me just like make it through my undergrad but grad school I definitely had to really figure out on my own the time especially with these types of exams how to organize everything now something that has always helped me and it's helped me so far with like prepping for these exams I need to get out of the way because uh they definitely bother me when I'm like trying to sleep because I'll think about them but anyways what helps me out is the fact that there are workshops given at four-year universities on how to prep for GREs, how to prep for CSETs, LSATs, CBESTs, and they're at a lot more affordable price in comparison to like other places that may just charge you so much more money. However, mi gente, I think now more than ever, it's an important time to really sit yourself down and find all the resources you can, especially through the pandemic we're living in. Because hear me out, mi gente. So in the spring, when I was preparing for my CBEST exam, same thing, I felt a little out of the, out of, I just felt everywhere, okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. I felt everywhere. I didn't know how to sit myself down in a schedule that I made up myself 100% without like a class schedule. I didn't really know how to do that, so I'd kind of freak out. However, I've always been the kind of person that when I don't know anything, I will literally Google it. Like if I put, how do I study for this exam? I'll Google it. I'll do my time of research. And then eventually I end up finding myself in finding my answers but it takes a while and then I find answers that I didn't know I needed but I needed in regards to finding workshops for my CBEST exams and there were workshops at my university and I believe I paid $45 for the first four hours which was solely focused on English language arts and writing and then I paid an additional $45 for the last four hours of that day to really focus on the math portion. And mi gente, $45, yes, it may be a little pricey for some individuals. I know for me, I didn't necessarily have like $45 just to like throw away at that time because Estrellita was working just a part-time job in the spring and all that jazz. All that jazz. However, now, miente, when I started just like prepping myself for these next exams I have to be taking by the beginning of December, I did the same thing. I researched, okay, does does my campus, even though like everything's virtually right now, are they offering free prep, prep workshops for these exams? And I Googled it and miente, not only were they hosting those exam prep workshops that I needed, but they were hosting it for free. They are hosting them for free. So 
free versus $45 times two. Oh my gosh, me hinted. That is a steal. So I'm just telling you now, if you're someone who's preparing for the GRE, the LSAT, whatever exam it is right now in 2020 during the pandemic we're living in, just do your research and see if the four-year university campus you're at or maybe just even the four-year universities in your area specifically, I'm going to say Cal State's Look look up into them first. You're most likely going to find those workshops you need, and it'll work out in your favor. Now, mi gente, from the description I was reading for these workshops, for, like, the exams I'm taking, it had said that even though this workshop was directed to Cal State students, they are also open to the public, So even if, like, for example, you live in Orange County and you're near Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach, and you find a workshop such as the one I found for my CUS and whatnot, CSETs, um, if if you look up and do your research and you live near that area, there's a high chance that you could sit in those workshops for free and not even have to be a student. And obviously, you would sit through that workshop at home because, you know, distance learning and all whatnot. But this is what I'm saying, mi gente. I know so much is happening with this pandemic. But at the same time, there's so many opportunities that are just, like, coming out. And we just need to use our critical thinking and our research-savvy skills that we've learned and are continuing to just enhance to use it at the best of our ability to lead us in a positive light in the right direction to get done everything we need to get done academically. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? And I'm pretty sure this even goes back to workshops such as like preparing your applications for application season. So this all goes back to the leave of absence, which by the way, sorry if you feel like this is so much information. If you have any questions ever about anything, just know you can always DM me or email me or just just go to the cafecitoconestrellita.com website and you'll find all that information on how to reach out to me to then like re-explain or further explain whatever questions you may have. Now, mi gente, with going back to my whole leave of absence, when I had to pretty much put it in due to COVID and just, you know, it worked out anyways because I have to get these exams done, I don't believe it happens with every four-year institution. It just depends which program you're in. But in my case, because I did put in a leave of absence, I have to, quote-unquote, reapply to grad school. So what does that mean? Basically, I had to resubmit the same paperwork that I submitted last spring to get into program. And, I I mean, it makes sense. It's like they just want to, like, make sure that, I stay up to date and stay up to date in their records. So I'm like, okay, I can totally do that. So that's what I'm doing. However, I'm not going to lie, mi gente. The first time I applied to grad school at the program I'm at now, and then now having to reapply, there is a lot of paperwork such as personal statements, letter of recs, CTCs, um, your your TB tests results, and... Your CBES, CSETS paperwork. I believe I already said letters of rec, but there are so many documents that have to go into your application 
that it just feels very overwhelming. So me, during the, and this is me going back to the first time (laughs) I was ever applying to this program, I felt really overwhelmed, but I did my research and I eventually found um, a workshop, completely free too, by the way, to help me prepare my grad school application by getting my documentations organized. And at the workshop, the host was so kind to Let's say that we didn't have what we needed printed out. If we would just email it to her, she would print it out and give it to us right then and there. Or she would like print it out and then scan it back to us. Like it was, she was just so helpful. And I'm, I'm going to say that to me, Hente, if you feel like your grad school application, because there's a, there is a huge difference in regards to applying to grad school and applying to transfer to a four-year university. Like, when you apply to transfer to a four-year university, you do need to have documentations prepared. That's important. But when you're applying to grad school, it's a whole different ballgame. Like, you need to have a system, in a sense. A system of organizing, okay, I have this, I have that, I have this. So then you can submit all those documentations on time, and no errors can you know, will pop up. And I don't know about you, but uh, if I don't have that type of help when it's out there, I can definitely get overwhelmed. Now, I had that workshop happen, and now that I'm preparing to get back into my classes for the spring, and but I have to, like, resubmit my grad school application through Cal State Apply, (laughs) Um, I actually reached out to the same host and asked... I know it's been a while. I'm not sure if you remember me. Da 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 da. Obviously, I wrote in a more like professional manner, but I'm just giving you the short version. And I asked her, "Do you have any availability for a Zoom meeting so I can get these application this application put together?" And she was more than happy to say yes. We just had to find a time that worked for both of us. And well, that's what I'm saying, mi gente. Reach out to your resources. When you have questions, ask them. And not you don't even have to necessarily ask them to a person. Ask them in Google. Ask them in your university website. I mean, the university websites always have so much information. It's, it's astonishing. Like, wow, this exists. These answers are here. At least that's how I've always felt when I definitely find, you know, so much info at once. All right, Mijenta, so we have come to an end of Cafecito con Estrellita, but before we do that, you know the drill, we have to share the quote of the day. Now this one, it definitely, it definitely can correlate with all the information I was sharing in earlier in this episode. All right, so according to a tweet that was posted by Latina Grad Guide, Your job as a grad student is to extract as much from the institution as it is going to extract from you. Resources, knowledge, credential, etc. Treat this as, as an exchange, not a relationship. Treat yourself well and get sleep. Stellar advice from... And the at names are Teresa MC PhD at GCU Urban Ed. 
Mi gente, you heard it here. Not only are you getting it from a grad student perspective, but also on a tweet. <laughs> and people like Twitter, I, I'm still trying to make my way through Twitter. Like I have an account, but ugh, like I've shared before, it's just, it's a lot of work to me managing, managing more than one social media platform. But Twitter, people tend to really rely on their resources and information and daily news on Twitter. So you heard it from Twitter to Instagram. Mi gente, don't forget to love yourself. Do what you need to do for yourself. And especially if you're a grad student, if there's all these resources such as these types of workshops, the food banks, networking events, everything that I just liked like just preach into your ears, <laughs> go ahead and just take advantage of those workshops. You're putting in your hard work. You're putting in your tuition money. You deserve to excel and be the best you can possibly be. Just do what you can to take yourself there by exposing yourself with all that knowledge and research to get there. All right, mi gente, I really enjoyed talking to you for the solo episode. I can't wait for the next one, and please don't forget to subscribe, comment, not comment, haha, scratch that, review, and like this podcast, Cafecito con Estrellita, on any platform that you listen to your podcast to, and don't forget to follow us on the socials, on IG, I just made a Facebook page, so you can definitely find me there, Cafecito con Estrellita, and uh, I'll see you on the next one.